In Shakespeare's play, A Winter's Tale, a peddler named Autolycus enters, singing of his wares. What is he selling? Well, let's just say his words toy with the listener. For my lads to give their dears pins and poking sticks of steel, what maids lack from head to heel, come by of me, come, come by, come by. Buy, lads, or else your lasses cry, come by. So what is he selling? Yes, it is exactly what you think it is. Aye, there's the rub. Hey folks, today we are interviewing the sponsor of our show, Dr. Jillian Kenny, historian of women's sex and magic in medieval Europe, about the objects of our affection. We're picking up good vibrations today. I'm B.T. Newberg, and this is the history of sex toys. <laughs> The History of Sex is sponsored by Dr. Jillian Kenny, historian of women, sex, and magic in medieval Europe. Just a note here, folks, this episode does have some audio quality issues. Dr. Kenny made a heroic effort to get this recorded despite numerous technical difficulties, and it was well worth it. Enjoy. The Upper Paleolithic, 3 million BCE, Africa. A lone ape, her sable coat glistening under the Serengeti sun, encounters a pile of bones left over from some unfortunate wildebeest. She circles it, curious. She cocks her head and scratches her sloping brow, then reaches out a dark-nailed hand and grasps a femur. She hefts it, feeling its weight. She knocks it against the other bones, which smash under the duress. Pleased, she does it again and again. Smash, smash, smash. Hopping and whooping now, she raises the bone to the sky in a salute to violence, but then her eyes flash with intelligence. As if struck by an idea, wait a minute, what else can I use this for? And with that, the first sex toy is born. Thanks for being on the show, Jillian. Hi, Brandon. Thanks so much for having me. Folks, Dr. Jillian Kenny is a research fellow at Trinity College in Dublin in the Center for Gender and Women's Studies, and she is here to school us about all of the ways our tool-using species has enriched our lives with a little bit of creative thinking. It's everything you always wanted to know about sex toys, but were afraid to ask. <laughs> We've had her on Dead Ideas, my first show, when she talked about the position of women in medieval Ireland as part of our series on the medieval Irish geish. And at the end of that episode, she revealed that she was researching the history of sex toys, and I have wanted to have her back on a show ever since. And today is the day. Jillian, tell us first... What's our time span that we're going to be working with today? How far back in history are we going to be going? Are we going to go back to like the Mesolithic, like Upper Paleolithic, 3 million BCE? What are we talking about? 
Um, well, it's quite an interesting question, uh, really. I mean, you do have some archaeologists, usually male, who, when they spot a phallic-shaped stone, um, immediately assume that it's used in some kind of sex ritual. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, speaking as a woman, and I assume most women will agree with this, the idea of uh, pleasuring yourself on a piece of granite doesn't really appeal. So um, they were probably used early dildos. <laughs> Um, in that, if if you can describe them as that, I mean, the earliest one is supposedly about twenty eight thousand years old. Um, but I would, I would, you know, I wouldn't necessarily believe it. But there's certainly probably used in some kind of sexual ritual. There's no doubt the identification of the phallus, the use of the phallus, uh, in in ritual, um, has been there for many thousands of years in human history. I mean, we first come across proper representations of dildos, though, as you would expect them to be in Greek. Uh, references in Greek art. So there really? are... Not till Greece? We don't have like in ancient Egypt or anything? Uh, yeah, they're in Egypt as well. You do get some uh, wall paintings in Egypt with what look like women with dildos on um, with a kind mm. of a strap on. Um, but again... I mean, you can only, you can people can say, oh, it's for religious purposes, which is what everyone says when they don't know what it's for. The, the classic thing is... The classic thing in archaeology and history, if they don't understand something, they'll go, oh, it must be for a ritual purpose. Okay. So we're not entirely (laughs) sure. Um, But we do get it in in Greek literature. There are references to dildos. There are references Mm. to women pleasuring themselves. So that tends to contextualize it a bit more. Um, Some of the artwork is quite astonishing. Um, There's a famous one where a woman is, oh God, I think she's given a man a blowjob and then so she's she's going to get penetrated with a dildo at the same time, something like that. It's really quite well, mm-hmm. really. But I mean, the interesting thing about that, of course, and that, is that one is from Greece. That's Greece, or... yeah. That's Greece, okay. But the interesting thing, of course, is that people nowadays, as they always have done, think they've discovered sex and are very sexually amazing and tolerant. Mm, not really. Think again. Uh, <laughs> we've always been that way. Um, it simply wasn't talked about quite as much as we do because we have a lot more means of communication than people did back then but if you scratch the surface of most cultures you'll find a level of sexual freedom that would surprise people today I think so yeah the Greeks were at it of course they were um there's anecdotal stories about Greek women using a type of bread as a dildo which again I don't really rate that sounds the worst oh it's just ridiculous isn't it what (laughs) What kind, well, they used to let it go, supposedly. They'd let it go a bit a bit hard, all right? Um, but they also did have a type of dildo, which they made from leather uh, and stuffed, and they used to oil it and soften it. Yeah, that it, sounds so. pretty awful, too, unless you put some like major oil or honey oh, a lot or of something. olive oil in Greece. <laughs> but you, you had that going on. So we, we've always had them. We have... Um, we have examples of dildos right the way through. Of course, the Romans had them and referred to them. But I think the interesting thing about about dildos as a sex toy, and it comes right up to the modern period, is the fact that th- throughout a lot of history, men tended to denigrate or laugh at them because they're, they're seen as a threat. Because, this, you know, the idea is if a woman can gain pleasure um, by not having penetration from a man, then what's the point really you know i mean you can you can go off and buy something and it'll give you double the pleasure you won't even have to do is washing so there's an element of being threatened by it yeah and you know i think you see it to a certain extent today dildo uh, marketing is often quite 
you know, obtuse. It can be quite cutesy, you know, rampant rabbit and all that. So it's, you know, it's always kind of slightly goes around what it's actually there for. And so it's always been slightly, I mean, even with the iconography of, of women at, you know, parties like um, and summer's parties as they are in the UK and they go and they have a giggle and they buy sex toys. I, I find it interesting because it's, it is an important part of a lot of women's lives. So, why not celebrate it? But, you know, th- there's lots of historic reasons for that. So men see dildos, consciously or unconsciously, as sexual rivals. That blows my mind. But what about other kinds of sex toys? And what about other users of sex toys besides women? And how did these tools of titillation develop in the later Middle Ages and on into the modern period? We'll have the answer to all of that in just a moment, but first, we'll take a short break, and we'll be back after this. And now, The History of Sex presents this. What? My queen? Uh, <clears throat> Tis I, your king. Um, my lord. Um, yes, come in. Are you quite all right, milady? I thought mine ears did hear a crying. A, a crying, you say? Tis surely the cry of battle, my lord. Is not the army of your rival the baron at our very gates? Well, yes, but tis another rival of which I wish to speak. Uh, forgive me, my lord, but surely none could be more pressing than that which pounds upon the gate. Well, yes, but tis another pounding of which I wish to speak. Uh, but could there be a matter more urgent than the ram which batters again and again at this very fortress? Well, yes, but tis a ram of another ca- Say now, what is that behind thy back? Hmm? Oh, oh, what this? This? Um, tis a gift. A gift? For me? Why, yes, my lord. Tis, um, a weapon. A weapon with which to smite thy rival. A weapon? Indeed, a holy weapon. Hmm. Tis the very cudgel of St. Cuthbert. <laughs> with what is it anointed? An oil most holy, my lord. To bless thy victory. Now, off you go. My dear, so sweet. You fill me with a yearning for victory. Just as I am filled with a yearning as well. A yearning which can only be satiated by seeing you off, off, off now to battle. Yes, now to victory. Armed with a cudgel the likes of which there is no other. Indeed, no other. No other cudgels here. None. Save for one. Lots of stuff on on dildos through time. Of course there is. Um, But there's also... The other sex toys are not quite so well attested to. Um, There's some curious tales about... um, cock rings being invented by the Chinese but I mean a lot more work Mm. needs to be done on it and using um, the eyelashes of goats which is an astonishing kind of tall tale you think Mm. to yourself did did someone look at a goat and then look at their penis and go I wonder I mean where did that come from (laughs) Um, so there is the Chinese context is really interesting too because the attitude towards sex and particularly female pleasure was totally different 
Uh, and I'm not sure if that was true all throughout, like all eras of Chinese history, but at a certain point, for Taoists' kind of alchemical reasons, it was really important for a guy to get the girl off because she uh. would absorb her energy in that way, her chi. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that was, I mean, was it common throughout Chinese society, though? Or whether it was it was relegated it, it, to the thinking yeah, it classes. could have been the elite. I just wonder. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's brought up something else though as well, which which is also interesting when you look at other cultures and how they wrote about sex. Um, mm -hmm. When you look at, for example, uh, medieval Islamic culture, and they talk about lesbianism as a good thing. Um, which is interesting um, in mm. that sense because it, it relieved sexual tension for women. I mean, part of it is that it's not seen as a proper sex act, it seems, because it's mm -hmm. two women together. But it is quite interesting. I mean, some Islamic um, doctors kind of prescribed a bit of lesbianism for mm -hmm. for women who might be feeling a bit tense. So um, that's quite interesting when you consider how... Um, maybe um, Islam is portrayed now in certain sections. There's, a, there's an unwillingness sure. to come to terms with a very rich and complex history and how sexuality was viewed within that culture, like, like within Chinese culture. But, um, you know, there's, there's plenty of stuff. I mean, there's plenty of stuff in, in the Western tradition as well. I mean, um, but in terms of sex toys, uh, attitudes began to change in the later Middle Ages towards it as the church it turns more, mm, you could say, militant, but it certainly becomes more fixated on sin and types of sin. And, mm -hmm. I mean, unfortunately, what you do get are instances, there's a very famous incident in uh, Germany where a woman was... Um, was was put to death because she had devised her own strap on and was having having sex with other women with it and again that's mm -hmm. transgressing uh what would have been thought of as gender boundaries that's taking the place of a male and again it's a really really threatening thing to do in terms mm -hmm. of the medieval male's idea of himself because he's there to have sex with with women what you don't need is someone else coming in and taking his place but you, you do get mm -hmm. it i mean it, it starts to you know the, the idea as well about women who would know because there were lots of them uh women who would know which plants to use to get rid of unwanted uh fetuses um or plants to take before you were having sex in order to stop impregnation that begins to get mixed up with the idea of witchcraft and uh they start to get you know put to death really across Europe. So one thing that interests me here with regard to the the male reaction, right, where they feel uh -huh. threatened. So the part that makes me question that a little bit is that by and large, uh women are going to be doing using their sex toys privately. <clears throat> and so the man, their husband, even if he knows that she's doing it, it doesn't necessarily mean that the neighbor is going to know that she's doing it. You know, he's not yeah. publicly losing face as being cuckolded by this sex toy. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. No, it's fair so point. that plays a major dynamic into it. But it sounds like uh, above and beyond any concerns about reputation, it's just that pure raw instinct of just between them he doesn't want it happening, and it's a patriarchal society, so he can enforce the norms that he wants. Um, well, yeah, I mean, to, to a certain extent, if we're talking about <clears throat> medieval Europe, uh, on, on paper, yes, it was many ways patriarchal, but when you get into it, it's not so much. 
there are exceptions to it. Women carved out existences for themselves, sometimes extremely rewarding um, at all levels of life. Um, it is a very common idea, though, that women were generally very sinned against in the Middle Ages. And well, it has traction in certain aspects, for example, in theology and things like that. In terms of day-to-day -day existence, the uh, wives of, say, a medieval uh, burgher, artisan, lived a, what would to us be a very, a very independent life. They often worked. Um, you know, they could sometimes, to a certain extent, choose the amount of children they had. They often ran their husband's mm -hmm. workshops when he was away. So they had their own income. It was, it's quite, I mean, it, it is... It, in many to many extents patriarchal but it also isn't it, it's very very complex um, and it depends a lot of the time on where you are um, within Europe there are very different attitudes but in terms of women using sex toys um, this, I mean there's, there's, there's not much on it uh, to be honest um, in, in, okay. the, in the middle ages there really isn't sure. what, what we go on a lot of the time is, is, is ancient stuff and it becomes a lot more uh, prevalent in the early modern period. You, people like John Rochester are talking about importing dildos from Italy into England and stuff and all kinds of stuff for his orgies. But I think the idea, the, the, very, the very idea of being a man in the Middle Ages precluded mm -hmm. your wife finding pleasure elsewhere. It is a form of adultery in that sense. Mm. And I, I think... Um, also, the idea of pleasure in sex is is not seen as necessary um, because no, thanks right. to the teachings of the church. So, in many ways, pleasure in sex wasn't a good thing. So they would try to avoid it if they were good Catholics. But as I've said, the world is is many and varied, and um, we can't really assume that couples didn't choose to do that themselves um much as couples would do today um mm -hmm. they're not really that different from us in many ways so um it, it's personal choices it's about what people like to do to get the rocks off it can be slightly it would have been seen as deviant behavior but that didn't stop anyone anyway if we see the amount of prohibitions against anal sex in the middle ages it seems quite Lots of people were at it, excuse me. So um, That actually, that brings up a mm -hmm. question that I had. So, so far, we've been talking pretty exclusively about women yeah. using sex toys. What about yeah. the history of men using sex yeah, toys? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's even more uh, kind of less easy to find, um, mm. you know, because really, I mean, um, because homosexuality was not something that, that people talked about or, you know, indulged in without running a risk in, in a lot mm -hmm. of places. Um, you know, there are there are very famous instances of, um, there's, a, there's a man called John Reichener in 14th century London. He may have been transgender, we're not entirely sure. He certainly okay. was transsexual. He would dress as, as a woman and um, go and sleep with men. But uh, that kind of homosexual history, it's very, very difficult to find, actually. But yeah, who, who's to say men didn't do it? Who, who's to say? No one. Um, they absolutely could have done it. I mean, uh, there's, there's no doubt uh, many people have been doing it. There are queer histories 
that sure. are slowly and surely being uncovered. Um, some eras of history are richer in it than others. But yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. If, if people were gay in the Middle Ages or even if, if a man wanted to use it on his wife, you know, within yep. the sanctity of their bedroom or, or someone else, uh, absolutely. Um, there's no reason yeah. to say they didn't. So I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious. So we, we talked about men potentially using sex toys as a penetrator. But yeah. what about sex toys that you penetrate. So have we found anything that would be the ancient or medieval equivalent of like a blow up doll or something? Oh, yeah. Um, well, there are, um, I'm trying to think, well, there's, I mean, there's, there's, all, there's kind of fablo and stuff about people using other people you know as decoys in bed and stuff so in the sense it's a blow-up doll it's a real person who's probably a servant you know but, uh no no not when I mean, you do get i mean okay so the obvious recourse for people who can't have access to living human thinking human beings is is bestiality and you know you do get that that does happen okay. because um <laughs> people do talk about it in law codes and 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 you know um kind of guides to sin so there are punishments to be handed out for kind of bestiality i mean it is seen as an appalling thing um and yeah. it does it does go on but i mean anyone who's grown up in the countryside i mean i mean i mean, you know my <laughs> my friend uh grew up beside a bloke who was overly fond of his goats he liked a goat and liked their company and was uh-huh. was discovered one day liking the company a bit too much um, so that did happen, of course, and as it still happens today. Um, but again, mm-hmm. there's no way of, you know, I mean, there's no way of particularly knowing. You, there's a few references, I think, in, in, in France, especially to people who were, were quite quite fond of their horses and stuff. But I mean, you've got people today who marry their horses. I mean, that's astonishing. Mm. So that's something that's always been there in human nature and no <laughs> doubt, I mean, was there before. But also you're talking about a period that used to put animals on trial. So... <laughs> it's it's quite different to what we understand in that sense. I mean, animals weren't thought of as having a soul, so they were sort of seen as playthings in in that sense. I mean, it's appalling. Hmm. Um, but hmm. yeah, so so that did go hmm. on absolutely. There's always been you know perverts since the beginning of time. <laughs> Why not in the Middle Ages? I'm sure yeah. there were loads of them. But the thing is, I think what's important from that is the idea that people have an idea usually about the middle ages that it was all about repressed sexuality and you know people shagging sheep because they couldn't get their hands on a woman that's not hmm. the way it was really i mean people were having loads of sex before marriage having lots of partners um you know and and minding you know trying not to get i mean not to get pregnant anal sex was a way of not getting pregnant as well as was mm. interfemoral um sex between the the thighs so they're used mm-hmm. as well um, in order to try and increase people's options. I'll have to see what the keyword is that you have to search to find interfemoral porn. <laughs> I, I wouldn't what, use I don't know it on a work computer, I'll put it that way. I wouldn't search for <laughs> interfemoral. So you find them, uh, <laughs> uh, penitentials. There's loads of really good penitentials. My favorite one, and this is his real name, is written by an Irish monk called Common. Nice. And he wrote... Uh, the all... rapper? Huh? The rapper? No, his name is Cummin. That's his name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the 
there's a there's a rapper named Common. Oh really? So. <laughs> do you think he's do you think yeah. he's uh, do you think he's adopted it because of his love of early Irish saints? Hmm, it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. I, I don't know the guy, but if I meet him, I'll ask him. Please ask him. Is he or and maybe has he read Common's Penitential, which is basically all about not having sex with boys in the monastery? Please don't have sex with boys in the monastery. Just have sex occasionally with boys in the monastery and then say sorry. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. So yeah, there's um. Uh, the history of sex toys dips a little bit in the Middle Ages because we we only find people like that poor German woman who was put to death for her strap-on occasionally. Hmm. So we know it's happening. And then it ups a little bit in the early med- early modern period, you know, 16th, 17th centuries when everyone gets quite raunchy publicly. Um, mm-hmm. So, you, you, again, I mentioned you see, you see um, uh, Rochester running around, having orgies, ordering it. And yeah, Dil- tell me Dil- more. Oh, well, he's, tell me more about that. He's a notorious rake. Um, so he's um, he organizes <laughs> orgies and writes about ordering in um, dildos from Italy because they're supposed to be the best ones because the Italians supposedly knew a thing or two about dildos. Um, so there's, there's that, you know, that goes on. But then, of course, in 17th century, Italy was like the home of sex with Venice and its courtesans. So everyone wants hmm. to go there and, lose their virginity or whatever have a go in a courtesan doing the grand tour so um yeah there's that certain places become become aligned with sex we have it today we have it in in the west people you know any kind of balding 50 something overweight bloke who suddenly decides he loves the sights and sounds of thailand that's really suspect isn't it you're like "Mm, Mm -hmm. i don't think you're over there for the temples mate so we we have you know you you have that still you have a kind of a seedy type who'll take full advantage of the sex trade in uh, more vulnerable communities so that's nothing new again you know you've always had that too yeah he uh so he would he would import his dildos and have a great old time uh at orgies and of course that period 17th 18th centuries is when you get the things like the hellfire clubs which is like gatherings of uh, upper-class men who would be up to all sorts, particularly with their female servants and prostitutes, um, oh. and just basically act out. So to bring the topic back to sex toys, yeah. so, so far, over the span of history that we've covered here, we've talked about prehistoric era, some think that maybe we found some objects that could have been used as sex toys, but that's maybe probably bunk. Well, um, yeah, I then mean, I we've do... got some images uh, from ancient Egypt yeah. that could depict women using sex toys. We've got Greece using kind of leather dildos that are lubed yeah. with uh, olive oil, right? And then the medieval period, do we know what kind of sex toys, like what kind of object it would have been in the medieval period? Uh, if women were using anything, it was probably much like the Greek one. So it would have been leather mm. and then stuffed mm. with something soft okay. like wool. Um, All right. It's interesting. I mean, if you look at later studies like Masters and Johnson and stuff, they talk about women orgasming on sex toys like 30 times more than they would with sex with a man. So um, there's obviously a value to be had in it, which women have recognized through the, through the years. Uh, and particularly sure. if you're living in a, in a society where, um, I mean, people, people didn't always stick to the rules, but some people did. And if you did stick to the rules, it meant that your life was a sexual wasteland because it was a desert 
You could only have sex with your husband if you got married. You could only do it in the missionary position. There's lots of folklore about if you do it doggy style or whatever, you'll have deformed children and things like that, or you'll have bad mm-hmm. luck. Um, so you, you're very limited. There's only a certain amount of time, certain few days that you can actually have sex. So you can have sex on a Sunday, you can have sex on a Friday, you can have sex if it's a church holiday, you can have sex for Easter. There's masses of times you can't have sex. So uh, in that in that sense, if you if you stuck to the rules and and you wanted to do it right, you, you were you were kind of limited. And maybe, and it doesn't always have to be a sex toy. Maybe it's just your hands. You know, I'm sure people did uh, indulge themselves a little bit once they actually discovered what 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 could happen when you got. One. Oh, you find that out right away. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, no one wrote about it. You know. We only find right. out about stuff like that when people are like arrested for, you know, you know, producing yeah. dildos and stuff. And that's really rare. So, I mean, if mm-hmm. you look at the sources, you're going to think to yourself, oh, no one did it. But when you you can't you can't always go by that because a lot of the history of this stuff is is, is hidden. I mean, a lot of the history of of any kind of sex history is hidden and, and has been until quite recently. I mean, it's really only very recently that people are talking about their sexual habits and things like that. And, I mean, in many places, we've only just decriminalised homosexuality quite recently. So there's still quite a lot of catching up to do. We're still quite, mm-hmm. um, in, in some countries, it's still quite quite medieval, not to use it as a pejorative term, but sure. talk about they don't want to talk about sex, they don't want to address sexual matters. So it's no no surprise that in a much more repressive time, and in a non-literate time, people didn't write it down. Um, but there's certainly instances of people using sex toys, dildos in the Middle Ages, in the ancient world, right the way through. Um, it may have been limited by status in society, by class, by wealth. It's hard to know. But what is interesting is there's a groundswell, particularly of women from the bottom up who knew about stuff like forms of contraception which are natural so if they're going to know about stuff like that they may well know about other aspects of the human body the human female body that need attention so it's you know it's sure. a possibility uh, is all i'm saying but yeah i mean it begins to be much stricter church begins to be less forgiving of things like the use of dildos or prostitution it all gets pretty nasty towards the end of the middle ages there's a big sea change we see mm. it in the you put on putting women on trial for witchcraft and stuff like that and the church gets more militant that's very interesting well we're coming up on time here cool. so with the last few minutes let's just let's bring this to the present day and cool. see how this plays out so you know we've got medieval uh, sex toys we've covered that then we move on into, say, the Enlightenment period. We've talked about Rochester, for example. Yeah. You said the Italian dildos were magnificent, right? Best. Um, then when we get into, say, the 19th century, for example, another thing that we turned up in our research on yeah. hysteria is that the uh, vibrator is yeah. invented not for women's pleasure, yeah. but to help doctors not have <laughs> such a crampy wrist yeah. from manually stimulating women yeah. to paroxysm. Well, I think it's designed for the stuff as well, though, isn't it? So, I mean, you get vibrators and they're used on, you know, muscle muscle groups because 
Sure. You know, it's all and, that. It's not just about about kind of masturbating women. So it is used like that. And they're often sold like that. I mean, vibrators are interesting because they change. You know, they they fluctuate as to what they're used for. Um, and mm-hmm. then, of course, in the 19th century, you get, you know, a rubberization. So it's dildo's a go-go. Um, yeah. Anyone can have a bloody dildo. Um, yeah, but, and the other purposes can be used as cover for what the person's really going to yeah. use it for, right? Oh, yeah. You're like, yeah. oh, I've got a really sore back. I'll get a vibrator. Yeah, okay. Uh, we know what that's for, you know, pumping away on the vibrator there. I mean, they'd steam powered ones and everything, didn't they? It was all astonishing. But of course, electricity is there and then, you know, it takes off. But yeah, it's, it is it is, it is, is about that. I mean, they're sold in a roundabout way, aren't they? It's all that kind of coy. Mm. Oh, you know, do, yeah. you have, do you have hand pain? Why don't you get this? And they use really, really odd quasi-sexual language in selling them as well. So you're like, mm. what is actually going on here? Is this, is this thing going to have sex with my hand? I don't, I don't really understand what this is. What? <laughs> <laughs> what is actually going on here? I, d- I don't want to have sex. I don't want my hand to have sex here. Interestingly, have, have you of, seen the feet yeah. that are also a vagina? Have you seen that? No. For foot fetishists. I saw, I saw it the other day oh, on Twitter. God. It's like a, two, a, a pair of feet cut off at the ankle. Astonishing. And then oh, somewhere in it is a, is a fake vagina. Well, not a real one, obviously. But I just thought, blimey, I think we've reached, reached the peak of late capitalism now. I think we need to get off this boat because that's astonishing. You don't even need a face to go along with the feet anymore. Okay. Um, yeah, vibrators yeah. are interesting. But, you know, it, it comes back to what I was saying at the beginning, which, which I find really really astonishing about, about sex toys, particularly for women. Of course, uh, gay and straight men use them also. That's fine. Um, but mm-hmm. I think in terms of women and the way they're marketed to women, I find that really interesting. Uh, because that mm. there is still that kind of coyness about it. It's really odd. I mean, I've been so? at parties where they're being sold, and you know, I mean, I've been at parties. I read, I read something the other day, and this this woman was, I was at a sex party, and there were these. Uh, it was actually in America, and they were like they were ringing their husbands to check if they could buy them. I'm sorry, what? Why would you ring your husband? <laughs> what? I'll I'll buy I'll buy a dildo, thanks. You can shove it. Uh, I mean, why would anyone do that? But there's still that whole, oh well, it's a little treat for her. and you know, they were all having this conversation like, well, I'd only use it with my husband. Well, why would you do that? Because um the whole point of it is so you don't have to use it with him in that sense. You can if you want, but you can also use mm. it when he's not there. But it's I, I, saving face. It's just like what why are you doing playing all these little games about hiding the fact that as women they they want sexual fulfillment and and that's still seen as a kind of a something to be to be hidden especially if you're you know a wife and a mother and well it's the whole madonna whore thing but anyway Mm. um but it's seen as something to not i mean i don't know because i don't i don't imagine men are particularly coy about stuff that they get up to themselves i don't think i don't think we've seen a backlash about wanking I think the comparison can be there because men clearly compete with each other for mm-hmm. sexual status. And I'm not surprised if if women compete with each other similarly. I mean, you would think at a party like that, it's all women there. Nobody has to put on any masks, well, that's right? It. But you're still competing with other women to be like, yeah, but I'm just a little bit more the Madonna than the whore than you are. You Why know? compete to be that, though? This is what's interesting. It's like this very yeah. ancient, ancient idea you know, 
uh, you know, do you, do you kiss your children with that mouth? Do you know that kind of thing? It's like, <laughs> oh, well, you know, I don't... I, and it, it's all this... What I find very interesting as well is is, is the, the, the narrative, particularly with women in the, in the developed West, and it must happen around the world as well, this idea like, mm, sex is a real chore, isn't it, girls? Mm, you know, uh, that that's interesting to me as well because that excludes other voices, but it fits into mm. that narrative of being a good girl of mm, marrying mm, mm. and and just and what we went back to in the middle ages of of only enjoying certain kinds of sex at certain times mm. because that's what good girls do um good girls don't go and and buy as many rubberized dildos as they can or you know plug in their vibrators and go for it um and are open about it i mean i i went to university with a woman who who basically would 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 buy vibrator buy dildos and, and regular i mean she'd be like i wore it down to a nub i mean we'd be, we'd be like all right <laughs> good job uh great you know whatever but she, you know she's quite open and i was brilliant uh, i go dildo shopping with her but it would go dildo shopping with her it was kind of cutesy it was weird i remember going into one shop with her and there was like a male dildo section for like uh the men to buy and they were all like black and shiny and mahogany and then the women's section was all like unicorns and uh dildo shaped as tulips and i was like literally are you seven what is this what are you doing and and that's that's the, it was like what is that why would i thanks i'll have i'll have the big silver bullet in the corner please it's like oh no i'm sorry that's only for the men uh oh right i mean that's the kind of idea oh no i'll just get this dildo shaped like a tulip and pretend i don't have a sex life that's fine thanks so again are we very far away from the strictures laid down by church a thousand years ago? I think in some parts of the world we're getting there. I think in other parts of the world we're still back maybe a step ahead, even in the developed West, which is astonishing. So I think we all have to talk as much about dildos as possible and its long and illustrious history and say to people, men and women, if you want to go and buy a big black silver-headed dildo, in a sex shop or even a tulip one boys then just go and do it and enjoy and chinese cock rings or whatever you want just go for it and ignore the strictures of dead old men who knew all about women and their wants and needs that's my message to the world <laughs> beautiful you heard it first here folks on the history of sex and i think we'll cap it off there let's finish there i've ru i've buried yep. my career it's okay it's fine <laughs> All right, folks, that's it for today's episode. Jillian, Kenny, thank you for no being worries, on Brandon. the show. That Thanks was so awesome. Much. Um, before we go, is there anything that you would like to plug? And no pun intended there. Hey, oh, do you know we didn't get onto book plugs, did we? Oh, well, space for another day. <laughs> um, no, not really. Uh, what am I doing? I do, people can catch me on Twitter if they like. There's a lot of that kind of uh content which I tend yep. to put out. So I'm. And you are. At Medieval you are Jill. At medieval Right, at Medieval Jill, and that's Jill with a G, right? Yeah, that's me. Yep. So check in to see me there. In fact, your current avatar I just checked out is actually, what is, it's like a female reproductive system. Yes, with it one is. Lopian tube giving the middle finger. Yes, it is. Brandon, <laughs> that says everything. That's my brand. That's my brand now. <laughs> yep. That's on brand for me. It's, it's fallopian tubes you. giving the finger. That's everything you need to know about me. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> 
Well, that's it for today, folks. Check out Dr. Jillian Kenny on Twitter, where she is at Medieval Jill. If you haven't already, check out our other episode released simultaneously with this one today. It's all the funny skits from our show this year. And that one has animation, so to view that, go to our website at www.historyofsexpod.com. You could support the show by subscribing, rating, and reviewing, or supporting us on Patreon. $5 a month gets you a portrait drawn in the time period and culture of your choosing. I will draw you with a curious cucumber made of leather and oil, or as a debutante at one of Lord Rochester's illustrious parties, or whatever you want. I'll make you look awesome, I promise. Just go to www.patreon.com forward slash btnewberg. That's patreon.com slash b-t-n-e-w-b-e-r-g. I'm B.T. Newberg, and this is the history of sex. Podcast theme music mixed from tracks by Kevin McLeod. For additional credits, references, photos, and more, see our website at www.historyofsexpod.com.